everyone. Happy second day of summer. It sure feels that way. If you have your Bible, please open it to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 6 today. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Ultimately, the Father's blessing says two things, says Dana Gresh. The Father's blessing says two things. The blessing says, this is my child whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. All kids, all children need and long for this blessing from their father or the father figures in their life. They, They want to hear, I love you. They want to hear I'm proud of you. They want to hear I'm well pleased with you. The first time my dad told me he was proud of me was I was in college. The very that's the first time he ever told me that. I was in college. And I felt like a little kid again when he told me that. No matter who you are, how old you are, you want to know how your father views you. You want your father's love. You want him to be proud of you. You want him to be pleased with you. We want that type of blessing. And this is the kind of blessing that God the Father gives to all of his sons and daughters. If you are a believer this morning, you have God's Father's blessing over your life. Last, last week, we, we set the stage for God's Father's blessing. For he himself is the source of the blessing, not us. And every person in the Godhead, every person in the Trinity is involved in this Father blessing. The Father initiates the blessing, the Son mediates the blessing, and the Holy Spirit is the administrator of the blessing. Now this morning we're going to begin talking about the content of the Father's blessing. The content of his blessing. So if you have about your Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be God the Father. Blessed be God. Blessed be the Father and God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is God's holy word. Let us pray. Father, it's so easy as a pastor to go through the motions and write sermons, and and we never commune with you ourselves. I've been guilty of that. I know all pastors are guilty of that. But as one who is also your son, I too need you. I need you. I need to know that I'm I'm a son before I'm a pastor. And that's for all of us here. We are sons and daughters before we're anything for you. And we need your spirit to help us to believe that to be able to live that out every day. 
in the preaching of your word, Lord, as something that you use to encourage your people, to even rebuke your people, and to challenge your people, to encourage them. We don't live in these walls, Father. We don't live in the churches that we go to every week. We live outside these walls. And it's outside these walls where we need to know that we are sons and daughters of the King. And that makes a difference in our life. That makes a huge difference in our life. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you take these words and apply them to my heart and to the heart of everyone that's here today. That you would minister to us the best way you know how. For you know what we need and you know what we need to hear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God's Father's blessing has content. And today we're going to focus on two parts of this content. First, God's First, God's Father blessing is the blessing of election. God the Father blesses with election. Verse 4, he says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. What does that term mean? It's a strange, it's a strange term, election. What does it mean? It means God chose those who are believers. Paul says he chose us, the us here is referring to the saints of God. That's who Paul is talking to here. He's talking to those who are already Christians, who are already believers, those who already have saving faith. He wants them to look back and see who was the real one that brought them to saving faith. So if you are a believer this morning, then God chose you to be one. He chose you to be in Christ. You didn't choose God. Jesus says in John 6, 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. What is, it, what is Jesus saying there? That's election. That's God choosing. Drawing people to Christ. Now the question that we may have is, what criteria does God use to determine, to determine who he will choose? Or what must we do to make sure we're one of the chosen ones? Right? The blessing of election is not like a pickup game of basketball where the captains of a team, they pick players based upon that player's basketball merit. Anyone who's ever played a pickup game of basketball knows what play, who know what players get picked first. The best players get picked first. And if you got picked last, then you know you're not one of the best players. Because that choosing, that picking, that electing is totally based upon the player's game. You've got to have a good game on the court to get picked first. The blessing of election is not based upon that type of merit. It's not based upon the merit of those God would choose. God doesn't choose you because of your game, because of your merit. Instead, the blessing of election is based completely on God's free, sovereign will and choice. It's based upon what he decides to do. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around this. F.F. Bruce says, when it comes to this, 
God does not give us the key to his cabinet secrets. He doesn't give us a key. So it means we're not going to fully understand it. But it's true. It's a blessing. It's a promise. His will and his choice is the only criteria he uses. And it's independent of a person's merit or perceived goodness. So you don't have to do anything. In fact, there is nothing you can do to earn this blessing. There's nothing you can do. Calvin says God's free election beats down all worthiness, works, and virtues of man. It beats down all worthiness, works, and virtues of man. You see, the Greek term that has been translated to choose here means to choose out of, to pick out of. God does not pick you out of a group of lottery picks like the NBA draft. None of us are lottery picks. He does, he's, not, he's not choosing you out of a group of people with good and perfect merit who are cookie cutter. No, he freely chooses you out of a group of people who are messed up. He freely chooses you out of a group of people with sinful merits. And that includes all of us here today. He chooses sinful people like me to be a recipient of his saving grace in Christ. So Paul here is saying, it's not about you. It's about him. It's not about your goodness. It's about his free will to choose whomever, to choose whomever he chooses to benefit of his grace. The term for to choose is also in what uh, theologians call the middle voice. And if you're an English teacher, then you know what the middle voice means. And, and so our English translation doesn't bring this out. So what Paul is saying is that God chose you for himself in Christ. That is what he means here. That is what he's saying here. God chose you for himself in Christ, apart from any merit of yours. He chose you for himself. Let those words rest upon your heart. He freely chose you for himself in Christ. The Father blessing is, is, of election is by God and it's for God and he extends it to you. So your life does not qualify you for the blessing, nor does your life disqualify you for the blessing. All this is good news. Why? Because it doesn't, mean, doesn't matter your walk of life. Does it matter who you are, your issues, your brokenness, your identity, your country, your race? Does it matter where you come from? The blessing can still come to you. It's a promise. Because it's totally based upon God and who he is, not who you are. Or what country you are part of, or what culture you come from, or your last name. It's totally based upon a God in heaven. But do we believe it? If you are a believer this morning, then guess what? You have the blessing already. Did you know that? You have the blessing already. You have it. It has come to you. But do you see it? Do you rest in it? In fact, God knew it was going to come to you even before you got it. Even as he chose you in him before the foundations of the world. Even 
as he chose you in Christ before the foundations of the world. That phrase, before the foundation of the world, it refers to what theologians call, here we go, it's a nice big term here, predestination. That's what that, that's what that phrase means. And th- this term means before time, before creation, God made a decision about something. And in terms of election, it means from all eternity, God chose those who would be saved. Before time before creation. He made a decision concerning you. And again, I know this is hard to, to wrap your mind around here. But these words are beautiful and comforting words for believers. Because it, they let you know that God had thoughts of you before there was you. He had thoughts of you way back in eternity. Before your mother and father got married, he thought of you. These words let you know that your life is not a mistake. That your life is not wasted. It lets you know that your journey is not by chance. It lets you know that your destiny is not in the hands of karma. It's in the hands of a God who chose you in Christ for himself before the foundations of the world. I don't know about you, but those are comforting words to me. Definitely if you're in the midst of some struggle, some fear, some anxiety, these are comforting words. These are a blessing. It gives a believer assurance. It should give you security. It gives you safety as you live life in this fallen, broken world. It gives believers empowerment to persevere through the valleys of life. And it gives you humility during the mountaintops of life because you know you're not on the mountain because of you, because of God, your Father who is in heaven. If you're not a believer right now, then guess what? The blessing can still come to you. Guess what, Coach? As Christians, we don't know who gets the blessing. We don't know. So that means if someone in your life is not a believer, that blessing can still come to them. So talk to them about Christ. Share Christ with them, the family member, the coworker, the neighbor. Because you should want them to have what you have. You should want them to have that same blessing that you enjoy. Don't be stingy. Share the blessing with others. No matter the person's walk of life, God can pick you out of it. He can make you his own. Now the purpose of this blessing, Paul says, is that so that we should be holy and blameless before him. So that we should be holy and blameless before him. This means we are to be pure and guiltless before the Father. See, no one can stand in the presence of God unless that person is holy and blameless. Why? Because God himself is holy and blameless. First John 1 tells us that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. That means something has to be done with my darkness in order for me to stand in God's presence. And so how are believers made holy and blameless? Only in Christ are sinful people made right 
before God. That's why he says he chose you in him. Not in anyone else. Not in Muhammad. Not in Buddha. Not in Oprah. Not whoever else you want to put there. He chose you in Christ. He's the only way. Last year when my son turned four, we updated his bedroom and with the, got him a big boy bed. And some of the old, put out some of the old furniture. We put it on the side of the road because some of it was damaged. And one of our neighbors who lived on the street from us, she saw it and she wanted the furniture. We said, yeah, go ahead. You can take it. And, you know, she wanted the furniture because she restores old furniture. And so she got this uh, dresser drawer and she took it down and put it in her driveway. She got out her electric sander and she started sanding it down. And so she restored it into something beautiful. And, and, and this is what you understand about God's election. He elects damaged and broken people who are on the side of the road because of our sin. He picks you up from the side of the road. He brings you to Christ for restoration. Only in Jesus is your sin and sin's eternal consequence washed away. Sand away. He sands it away with his own blood shed for you on the cross. And it's Jesus' responsibility to present you holy and blameless before God. And he does so. Ephesians 5 says, Christ loved the church, gave himself up, gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything, that she might be what? Holy and without blemish. Colossians 1.22 says, He has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus' responsibility. And guess what? On the last day, when he presents you before the Father, guess what the Father's going to say? Above reproach you may enter. All charges of shame and guilt thrown your way will be cast to the side because of the finished work of Christ. And what he has done is final, and no one will be able to bring a charge against God's elect because of what Jesus did. And I'm telling you, this is beautiful stuff. This is beautiful stuff. But do you believe it? Do you rest in it? Have you made it your own? It's part of God's Father's blessing to you. He elects you before himself in Christ so that Christ may present you holy and blameless before him. The blessing of election, you must embrace it. Second, there is the blessing of adoption. The Father's blessing includes adoption. Verse 5, in love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. These words, Paul goes, goes deeper into the Father's blessing. He, he puts more flesh on it. He wants you to know that in love, God predestined you as sons or daughters. Again, predestined here means God determined something before the foundations of the world. And that is the blessing of election. And this blessing is a display of God's love towards you. His love. He predestined, he predestined you in love. He chose you in love. Before the foundations of the world, God loved you. None of us know that type of love. 
We can't even fathom, fathom what it means that, that someone can love me before I was even around. Before there was even all this stuff, before any of this existed, before he made the heavens and the earth. He loved you. That's what he's saying. Before you took your first breath, he loved you. From all eternity. He chose you for himself to be adopted as sons and daughters. You are your father's child. And he elected you to be in a personal relationship with him. He makes it personal. He chose you in Christ for sonship, for daughtership, to be in a relationship. The same relationship a good father has with his sons and daughters, the same type of relationship God desires for you. You know, if you have a good dad, and you, that, that type of relationship, that's what God the Father wants for you. And in Christ, you have this sonship, this adoption. And now everything about you is different. Everything about you is different. Your sonship and your daughtership, it's your new state. It's your new normal. It's your new reality. It's how you now live before God. Please know in your heart of hearts, you are not an orphan before God. You are not an outcast before God. You are not the help before God. You are not less than before God. You're much more. You are a child. You are a son. You are a daughter. But do you believe it? Do you live in it? Do you rest in it? Your purpose, your worth, their identity are all wrapped up in who your heavenly father is. He restores those things. He gives you what you never had. He gives you what you may have lost. He replaces it all with himself. This also includes your values, your way of life, your priorities, are all tied up in him. As a son and daughter, you benefit from God's fatherly provisions. You benefit from his authority. And when it comes to your adoption, you can sing the Lego movie song, Everything is Awesome. Everything is Awesome. Or you can be like Frozen. You can let it all go. Because of who your daddy is and what he's done for you. Why? Because your father loves you with a love that would not let you go. He loves you with a love that will not let you go. Does that encourage you? Does that empower you to go back out and engage one more week? Does it empower you to step out? Because you know you step out in the love that has you? Superman cannot rip you from his love. It's that strong. It's that enduring. It's eternal. And it cannot be broken. And your sin can't break it either. He loved you before there was a you. He places his name upon you. Your last name is changed. And when he looks at you, please know he's looking at you even now. And you know what he says? This is my child. 
whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. That should be something that you place on your mirror. That should be something that you read every day when you get it. And when God sees me, this is what he says to me. This is my child, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. But do you believe it? And do you live it? Do you believe it? And do you live it? When a couple adopts a child into that family, that child joins their family. The child doesn't come into the home and functions in isolation to the rest of the family. The child doesn't come in and say, I have no need for my other brothers and sisters. All I want to do is have a relationship with my mom and dad. I don't want to talk to my brothers and sisters. The child does not function that way because it's not, he's not he or she not the only child. The same is true of believers. God adopts you into a family. You're not the only child. You're you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This means if you are a believer, you can't say I have no need for other Christians. You can't say I have no need to be part of a local church. You can't say it's just me and Jesus. You, you, can't just, I want, you can't just church hop and never make a commitment. The blessing of adoption doesn't just mean sonship and daughtership. It also means the blessing of a family that God places you in. It's part of your adoption. But do you embrace her? Do you embrace her to church? Many believers don't. I understand why, because, listen, the church is messy. And like my mother said, ain't nothing like church hurt. And if you're being hurt by a church, you know what I'm talking about. Ain't nothing like it. And so I know some of the things that go on in churches. I know some of you have been hurt by the church. I know that. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't care what denomination you are part of. Presbyterian, Seventh-day Adventist, Baptist, non-denominational, whatever. All these denominations are messy. And the worst ones are the ones that try to hide it. And you know what I'm talking about. All God's people got what? And when you forget that, that's an issue. That's an issue. God, God's family is not cookie-cutter. I'm not a cookie-cutter pastor, and if you know me, you know that. And none of you're not cookie-cutter members, and I know that. <laughs> but we still need one another because we're family. We're God, part of God's family. God never intended for his sons and daughters to walk this journey alone. He never intended for us to be an island unto ourselves because part of this, before the foundation of the world, he intended for us to be in community with each other, united in Christ as one. And Paul brings that out later on in the book of Ephesians. He brought us to be in community as one, united in Jesus. And again, do you believe it? And do you live it? Do you believe it? Do you live it? Dr. Marie Hartwell Walker is a marriage and family counselor. This week I read something that she posted on her website from a 12-year-old. It's sad, uh, but I want to read it to you. This 12-year-old says to her, 
My dad and mom are separated, and I barely see my dad. But sometimes he will call me and promise he would take me somewhere and get me that gift I wanted or something like that. But more and more lately, my dad has been breaking promises. I can't help but to cry because he has broken so many. I can't help but to cry because my dad makes promises and he breaks them. Some of you know what that's like. But as a child of God, you never have to shed such a tear. Ever. Ever. We have to cry because he breaks a promise to you. He won't break it. And what is evidence of that? The cross. The cross is evidence of that. All the content of his father's blessings are promises to you that he gives you. He is not a man that he should lie. He's not a son of man that he should change his mind. As he said, will he not do? As he has spoken, will he not fulfill it? Yes and yes, he will do it all. The blessing of election and adoption will come. Both are according to his will. His will, his free will. He was not forced to do it. He was not blackmailed to do it. He wasn't kind to do it. He freely gives out of his good pleasure. And he does it all to praise of his glorious grace that he has blessed us with in Christ. Do you want this Father's blessing if you don't have it? If you don't have it, you know you don't have it. But do you want it? If so, come. Come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come and buy. Come by wine and milk without money, without price. And trust me, my Father satisfies all your hunger and thirst if you will come to receive it freely. Let us pray. We are what we are because of you, Father. We have what we have because of you, Father. And all that we're ever going to be because of you, Father. And so we, we rest in who you are. Because if you're not who you are, none of these things are true. There is no grace if you're not gracious. There is no love if you're not loving. So, Father, I pray for your bride here today. The bride, the folks that you have died for, I pray for them. And I pray for that weeks that that you will meet them where they are. I pray for the marriages, that you will meet them where they are. I pray for our kids, you will meet them where they are. And I pray for our relationships with one another, that we keep short accounts with one another, because we are a family. And the family is messy, there are issues, there's brokenness. But when Jesus is at the center, when Jesus is on the cross in the center, we can get through whatever we go through. And so I just pray your blessings over everyone, that you will sustain them, you keep them safe. And I pray, Father, and thank you, as always, your grace is forever greater than our sins. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.